You are listening to Wow Wish Only Well Radio with your host, Siobhan Gross, marriage and family therapist, inspirational coach, and motivational speaker. Wow Radio Show is designed to encourage, inspire, and motivate you to be the best version of yourself. My guests and I come to educate and uplift. We come to Wow to help you get on and stay on your road to greater. Today is a good day to Wow. Wish only well all across the world. Let's go. Wherever you are in the world, good day, good people, good day. You know what today is? It's Wednesday. It is a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday indeed. It is a great day to wow someone. And by wow, I mean to wish only well. Listen, welcome to Wow, Wish Only Well Live television show. I am your host, Siobhan Gross, marriage and family therapist, inspirational coach, and motivational speaker. I am so excited, guys, today about my very special guest. You know that we are talking to winning only women for the month of March in celebration of Women's History Month. And I have the fabulous and phenomenal guests already here in the studio with me. And so I am not going to prolong the time. I am going to hop right to it uh, by introducing her. Today's guest is none other than the phenomenal, the fabulous Tanya Parker. She is an inspirational speaker, licensed and ordained minister, and she serves as the Chief Diversity Officer and Dean for Equity and Inclusion at Wesleyan College in Macon, Georgia, at which she was named Director of their new Lane Center for Social and Racial Equity in 2021. That's a wow, how awesome. Reverend Tanya Parker, or Minister Tanya Parker, holds a Master of Theology theology with a concentration in practical theology, a BA in English and philosophy, and a certification in building resilience through trauma-informed practices. She is a registered inclusion practitioner for civil discourse, dialogue facilitations, and DEI workshops and training. Minister Parker served as Director of Education and Outreach of the Tubman Museum from 2012 to 2016 and Executive Membership and Program Director of Girl Scouts of Historic Georgia Incorporated from 2000 to 2012 before joining Wesleyan as the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Leader in 2016. Minister Parker believes there is no separation between her faith and her professional work and that her faith and values make her a better servant and ambassador for God and for the people she has the honor of serving. Without further ado, let's welcome our wow, women, winning only woman, Minister Tanya Parker. Are you with us? <laughs> Hi! Hello! Thank you so much. Thank Hi. you. And welcome to Wild Live Television Broadcast with your host, me. And I'm so excited to have you here. You know what? This is, um, to me, um, I was very intentional, right, about uh, having you on as the very first winning only woman um, for this series that we, we're doing. And um, 
you know, in celebration of Women's History Month, right? Yeah. Uh, and so I thought, like, what better way to start it off than with you? Because, you know, you and I both graduated from Wesleyan College, yeah. and we know that Wesleyan is like first for women, right? Yes. Yeah. And so how did they get that title of being first for women so that the viewers will have a better understanding of why I mean bringing you on and what that <laughs> means? Right. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much. Um, yes, so Wesleyan College in Macon, Georgia is the first college chartered to grant degrees to women. So mm -hmm. even if there were some that did it before, chartered to do so on record is Wesleyan College. Oh, <laughs> and that, that was in 1836. Oh, how awesome. That is just totally awesome, right? And so, uh, and that is the reason why I just kind of wanted to bring you on. But not only that, I know that you are a ph phenomenal woman. Like, really, I know you personally, right? Uh, and professionally, I've, you know, watched you grow over the years from, and, and we even highlighted some of the positions that you've had. Mm -hmm. You've had some pretty integral positions that were very meaningful to the community at large. I mean, you served for 12 years um, at you know, for girls, for Girl Scouts. And, mm -hmm. and then you worked at the um, Tubman African American Museum. Yeah. So tell us about that. Okay, well, um, it's all kind of connected to me because even though you, we went, we mentioned Wesleyan and then we went to my career uh, professionally, I started working at Girl Scouts as a camp counselor during the summers while being a student at Wesleyan. And some people didn't know that. And it's like, yeah, so during the summers, I was there at the uh, camp, the local camp here, mm -hmm. uh, Martha Johnston, which is in Lizella. And then um, I would, after upon graduation and everything, and before uh, going into uh, my continued studies in theology, mm -hmm. I began working at the Girl Scouts. Um, and, and locally, it was Girl Scouts of Middle Georgia. And then um, during the time I was there later on, a few years later, it merged and became Historic Georgia uh, with the other uh uh, councils, Girl Scout councils here in um, Georgia, beyond greater Atlanta, the other ones all merged. And so through that experience, Siobhan, I worked with young ladies from the ages of five to 18. And that was that was a winning experience for me because I, I different people from different walks of life, different experiences, different backgrounds, and trying to build an inclusive community like during the summers with these girls who, you know, they come in and they're just like, hey, we're here for this week. What are we going to do? And so <laughs> team building became something natural to me, just like, how can I get people connected? How can I get these uh, people to have a, a meaningful experience and walk away and say, yes, I had a great time at Girl Scout camp. Yeah. So I did that during the summer. And then eventually I started working in membership. So recruiting volunteers, training uh, Girl Scout leaders, supporting them in the areas and things like that. Did it for Twiggs County and Bibb County and for a while, Wilkinson County as well. And just continue to become more of who I am by serving and supporting other people. And then eventually uh, the Tubman Museum. And uh, I won't go too deep into that bridge between uh, Girl Scouts and Tubman, but I will tell you this. Sometimes things happen in your life that just shake you at the core that you can't even continue as the person that you were up until that point because you right. need a change. Right. Yeah. And so I'll just say right there, 
divorce happened and it was it was not something I wanted. And I just couldn't find my footing to continue with Girl Scouts at the time. And even though it was such a wonderful organization, my colleagues and coworkers had been with me from getting married and supporting me from college to that point. I was just like, I need to step away and grow in a different direction now by still keeping the ties together though, but still going somewhere else thus Tubman Museum. So Tubman Museum actually allotted me the opportunity to bring Girl Scout programming to the museum and keeping that connection. So it's like, I, I bring wherever I go, everything that led up to that point with me. I never leave anything behind. And so Tubman is with that new um, center that you mentioned, Equity Center. We are. We had to identify a community partner with the grant that we have. We identified our community partner as the Tubman. And so fully present with me is the Tubman, is Girl Scouts, is Westland, is Tanya Parker. Wow. I just <laughs> love it. I mean, everything about that spells wow, in particular to a win and only woman. So, you know, in terms of your position at Westland, tell us about the part of, importance of it because you know, just hearing diversity and equity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And as you talk about that, please, you know, educate us on what it means to be an uh, inclusion practitioner. Okay. So, um, like going, like I was saying about Girl Scouts, I go into places and I figure out how to make it more inclusive because sometimes when diversity is in a space, people think we automatically have inclusion or inclusivity, and that's just not true. You can put a lot of people in a shared space and uh, walk away and it conflict, turmoil, and everything. You have to work at bringing connection. And then if you want understanding and going beyond tolerance to respect and acceptance, you have to do something doesn't naturally happen, not so organically as we may mm -hmm. think. We yeah. have to do something. So as an inclusion practitioner, I come in, I assess the ways that people either come together or separate, then uh, you know, provide opportunities for them to come and learn more about differences and find out that the similarities outweigh the differences. Mm -hmm. And what can we do to make sure we're not causing harm to others who are in the shared space, like based on, and I call them superficial things, like the skin that we're in, or if we have hair or not, or what color our eyes are, or whatever. Those things are really superficial when it comes to humanity. I'm a person, you're a person. And when I see you as a person, I know that you have the ability to hurt. You have the ability to bleed. You feel pain just like I do. So as an inclusion practitioner, uh, I feel that it is my job to treat you first the way I want to be treated and secondly, mm -hmm. the way you want to be treated. Because when I know how you want to be treated and that makes you feel respected and uh, accepted, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to I do that. I love it. I love <laughs> every minute of it. So you talked about and you you pointed out like, um, you know, your you know, your head and, you know, tell us about that, because you have a unique term for when people look at you, they see baldness. Yes. But I've I've read and I've <laughs> heard you speak it before. You don't see it that way. And and this will actually validate the point I, I you know, I try to to uh, spread each time is that, you know, what we speak over ourselves and to ourselves and our mindset, those things are so very important, right? In yes. terms of helping us to really be accepting of ourselves and to identify our strengths and to hold that, you know, dearly. So tell us about how you perceive 
how, where you uh, about that. Okay. Just, yeah. So, um, first of all, I didn't plan to be bald. <laughs> I did not. And, uh, honestly, as I began to lose my hair, it was really in the, uh, the middle twenties, I would say early twenties, it was like middle, like 24, 25. And what was happening is these small patches of baldness were like showing up in different spots on my head and I would feel them and sometimes they would be real slick and I'm going what is happening here and uh you know uh being a woman of color sometimes we use uh products in our hair that uh makes you know that could burn our scalp or that exactly. could you know right you're right yeah. and that's what I thought was happening I said oh I need to you know step back from whatever I'm using and and just see what my hair is going to do by itself and um uh, in some places it did start mm -hmm. to show uh signs that it was getting better or whatever but then more spots began to form and they started connecting so one spot, one spot that could have been like a dime size maybe connected with another one and now it's almost a quarter size or something and i'm like oh my goodness what is going on so mm -hmm. i did eventually go to the dermatologist and they did like a scalp biopsy which i was very surprised about i was like you're gonna do what and i said biopsy you're gonna cut off a piece of my scalp they're like oh is this not so bad you know so they injected my um scalp and they did cut a little piece off to study it and they did and um stitched me up a little bit and when i came back they said yeah your hair um the the follicles are shutting down at an exponential rate and they were trying to like identify what is disconnected to now i if you you know me siobhan i am very open and honest about things and so i'm just going to go ahead and just put it out there it's not just that this alopecia uh was something new First of all, I was born with it. It was it lied dormant in my body up until that time. It was like activated or triggered to actually start. You know, it could have been stress, could have been all kinds of things or whatever. But yeah, it was triggered. So it just it was activated and it kept going. Also, I was having uh, issues with, um, you know, just uh, some of the other things that females go through or whatever. So I was like going to the dermatologist, going to the gynecologist over here. What's going on with me? Polycystic ovarian syndrome. And as I did my own research. Polycystic ovarian syndrome, one of the parts that is linked to it could be alopecia, hair loss, and things like that because of the hormonal imbalance, right? Mm -hmm. And so I'm like sitting here going, oh my gosh, I have a whole thing going on. So as I was losing my hair, I was really in a bad place because in my mind, all of the women I knew had hair and it's like the more hair you have, the better. And it like almost in a way defined your feminine, you know, your feminism, your uh, female, as I call it, your femaleology. And I'm like, wait, I don't know what happens if I lose this. Am I not feminine anymore or whatever? But uh, by the time I was in, in my 30s, it was really bad. Um, I was wearing wigs and head wraps and scarves. And even though they were jazzy, as I like to call it, they were hot because of the hormonal imbalance. I'm like, oh, this is hot. Yeah. Like one day, you guys, I was driving in the car and I come from some event. I had this wig on. That wig was so hot. And I was like looking at somebody. They looked and they turned away. I took that wig off. They looked back and they did a double take like, <laughs> just, I laughed myself because I think that person's like, what just happened over there with her? You know, so I um I just had to like I, I was like, what am I gonna do? Sit here and suffer in silence in places where right. I'm really just uncomfortable right. physically trying to fit in socially. And so I was like, I came to a reckoning about that thing. And so I began uh to cut my hair shorter and shorter. 
And then eventually it was natural, but that natural still had that bald spot. And I have this joke where I was putting this stuff in there, this black stuff, blending it in. But then when I sat on someone's couch or somewhere and I put my head up against the wall, <laughs> I mean, this black spot on there. It's like, oh my God, I'm messing up people's furniture and stuff. I gotta get my life together. <laughs> so I, I just like, you know, this isn't working. And I'm sitting there, I can't sit and work. Like, ooh, sit back. Ooh, let me sit back up. I mess up. So I said, you know what? But um, a friend of mine once said, you know, have you ever just thought about going bald? I was like, no, you have. No, I have not. But you should try. I think you could pull it off. I was like, oh, no, mm -mm. a bald one. No, 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 no. And so <laughs> anyway, I one day because sometimes you, you make up in your mind what you're going to do. You just do it and then you just go forth with it. Right. right? Exactly. I just made the decision. Let's just do it. Mm -hmm. Shave it off. Mm -hmm. Shaved it off. I looked in the mirror and I went, it's not bad. It's different. It's not bad, you know, but I had to accept that myself and I had to be able to look in the mirror and be satisfied and pleased and confident with myself. And of course, I, that didn't happen that first day. I was bald and showing back up with hair wraps on and everything. And people didn't know I was bald. Actually, mm -hmm. I showed up one day with a family, a family gathering and I was just bald. I just showed up bald. And some people just looked, they didn't say anything, but you know, you always got those family members that be like, <laughs> they're just going to say something. Tanya, cut all her hair off. What's wrong with you? Why you cut your hair off? And then you got some, you know, I just got to be, be honest. I got different responses. Some people are like, Tanya, is everything okay? Um, and I was like, oh, okay. I see you, you think I'm sick. Um, uh, yes, uh, yes, I, I have something going on. It may not be what you think, but um, I don't really want to talk about it. I'm still a jerk. So like, but you're okay. I'm like, for the most part, you know, so then some people would see me and this is the funny part. I see some people be like, hey, power to the people, back to the natural, my sister. I'm like, yeah, okay. I'm like, oh my gosh. So <laughs> it depends on where you are. But the more, Siobhan, the more I kept going out in public like this and I can look at what people, you know, that you can almost read what a person is thinking the way they're looking at you. Sure. And so eventually I'm just like, you know what? It just is what it is. And that's just what I call it. This is, it just is what it is. And the more I, you know, grew into my baldness, I became more confident and I was bold with it. And it made me feel good about it. Right now, I don't like for anything to be on my head. I'm just like, you know, the balder, the more beautiful. I, I feel hair growing in the spots where it grew. I'm like, get my thing to me, get this off, get it off of me. I was like, this is my liberation. I'm free now. And yes, I am still full of woman. Yes, I am still have you know uh my feminality going on i call it femaleology right. and I, you know and that's just it i'm just a bald woman and i still am a woman and and i'm i'm okay with that because i know some people might say you need some hair it's like no i don't you want me to have hair but i know who i am yes I, really I, love it. I absolutely love it and i like the fact that you pointed out in your conversation about how um different there's nothing, you know, sometimes when we think different, we think that something is wrong, right? And it's amazing that you said that I was up late last night writing again. And that was one of the things that I mentioned when I was writing was that as I went through my spell of having to deal with uh, mental health issues, right? My own mental health crisis. And I talked about how that made me feel different because nobody else around me, none of my friends appeared to be going through that same thing. So, at, but back then, different for me meant, oh, this is not good. 
And so it brought about a lot of shame, right? A lot of embarrassment. And so it's good that you uh, pointed that out. I love the fact that though you often refer to your baldness as your boldness, right? Yes. Uh, I think I was reading where you shared in, in a Facebook post recently about how someone else uh, uh, wanted to ask uh, because they uh, had an issue with, uh, mm -hmm. was they were diagnosed with uh, alopecia mm -hmm. and they were wondering uh, and her father encouraged her to ask the question. And it was a beautiful, beautiful story um, that uh, you shared. But Tanya, you are just such a beautiful person um, outside and inside. And what matters the most is the beauty inside. You're so you're such an inspiration. You're such light um, to just be around. Right. You always have you know, just such a positivity. I've seen you work with the kids. I've seen you, you know, keep, oh, you keep me on my toes. You keep me laughing. In fact, I was reminded, as you were telling the story, it made me th thought about a gathering where we were and you talked about um, when you were doing the mission thing at the park and, and this lady I uh, saw you who often came and got food and she thought that perhaps you were sick in terms of cancer. <laughs> and, I, and I sometimes chuckle, you know, when I think about that story, but it is so important, our attitude and even how you actually see that, right? Yes. And, and you, you've you come to terms with this is what it is and I embrace it. So that brings us to um, challenges. Oh my God, time always goes so fast when I'm coming <laughs> out of these conversations. We've got yes. like 10 minutes, but um. I wanted to just, you know, um, I know that that you love Prince, you love yes. purple, and I know we can talk all day about that. <laughs> um, but also, your father, if yes. I remember correctly, was a really big fan of yes. uh, Prince. He was an awesome man. I remember him always doing things with you and Manda, yes. um, your oldest sister. Yes. And I used to sometimes be get to tag along yes. when, when you guys were at uh, your uh, paternal grandmother's home. Yes. And so tell us uh, about that because everybody has challenges. Uh, we've all endured, you know, some type of pain yes. that we had to grow through. So tell us about this because this is to me is just, can you, I gotcha. can you share that? Yes, yes, I I, I don't mind. Um, you, you were saying that I like a happy uh, disposition, seemed always had smiling, full of joy, and everything like that. Uh, it is truly joy because it's not like I'm always happy. Happiness comes and goes, and my right. happiness was like shook at the core when I was nine years old. Um, my I, my sister Manda that you mentioned and I were traveling with our father. We were on um, highway, uh, well, sorry, interstate seventy. We were headed out the other side of Atlanta, near going towards Rome, Georgia, but we ended up in Calhoun County and a cinder block, a 17 pound cinder block was thrown from an overpass and it hit my father in the head while he was driving, killing him instantly. And I was on the drive. I mean, I was on the passenger side while he was driving and my sister was asleep on the, you know, in the back. And I watched all of this happen. And Siobhan, when you see something like that, uh, nine years old or any time or whatever, those images do not go away. Yeah. Actually, they can haunt you. And so um, crashing after, you know, he was no longer driving and everything. So driving off of the interstate and crashing in the woods with my sister in the back, waking up, both of us survived. His body burned in the vehicle because we couldn't get him out. She had broken bones, no internal injuries. I had internal injuries, no broken bones. And of course, lots of scars on our physical bodies. But the scars that... Um, 
remain with us even to this day, of course, are the mental and emotional ones. And when you talked about mental health, I will say this too. There were times like this happened at nine, but I was getting older, 12, 14, 15, 16, guilt came upon me, survivor's mm -hmm. guilt. Why did I live and he have to die? Mm -hmm. da, 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 you know, so those kind of things. And, and for time's sake, I'm just going to say this. One of the things that got me was around 17 years old when I was about to graduate high school. I was, you know, I gra graduated salutatorian of my class. My classmates probably had, thank you, probably had no idea I was struggling every day just to appear to be myself because mm -hmm. at night I wasn't sleeping as well. I was having these nightmares about this, but that those nightmares and those thoughts of guilt and everything were pushing me towards suicide. They really were. They were pushing me like, you don't deserve to live. But I tell you this about my faith. There was something that was also taught, taught to me as a child was that there's a God that loves me and that I just need to call out to him. I called out to him the night of our accident or the incident. I called out to him during these times and I just said, God, if you can heal my thoughts, help me because I am losing my mind. And that just opened a door to me just communicating with God, journaling more, just, just all kinds of things. And so what I'm going to say about this and wrap that up is I never forget what that looked like with my dad, um, you know, what happened to him, because I can see it clearly. Even when I talk about it, it doesn't affect me the same. I've done a lot of work. And when I say work, mental, emotional work to get to the point where that happened, it was out of my control. It was a huge loss. And I need to do something with that. And what I'm going to do is look at people, not know what their story is. They may just be just as fully present as they can be, but what's going on in their minds, their hearts, whatever, all I can do is greet them with a smile. All I can do is say hello when they cross me because they may be battling something I will never know about and I can never get from them because they don't talk about it because I did the same. My thing was to reflect out and everything is fine, but it wasn't. And so that's like, as far as it depends on me, just be kind, compassionate and empathetic with people because we all fight different battles. So as much as it depends on each of us, we can at least be kind to people. You don't have to be best friends with everybody, but you also don't have to hurt them. Oh my goodness. I love it. That is just such a powerful testimony. And I'll be honest. And you know what? I um, find myself tearing up, right? <laughs> in awe, like to just, you know, see that strength um, coming through. And that's one of the things I talk about is being able to find your strength in the midst yes. of your struggle. That's right. So, oh my God. And we're just- <laughs> I know. Because it's because you knew him too, Siobhan. You know, you, I'm speaking from a place that you knew my father. I knew yeah. my father. And that, and you're like, all this happened. And to know that I was embodying all this and then mm -hmm. to be who I am. I'm telling you, that's the work of God in my life. It I truly have tears. Is. All right. But I'm human, right? And that's I make right. no apologies for that because that's we need true. to feel, right? Yes. And, and that's the thing right we have to get those feelings out and i think that it's so important that you were able to share and point out that you were 17 years old and what was happening to you yeah. at 17 years old not that it just really started happening because you encountered that trauma at the age of nine, nine. and really and truly for most people a lot of people it wouldn't even be any closure because i don't know if the if the perpetrator if the person who did this was right, right 
Exactly. And so for some people that would be like no closure at all for that because they would still be stuck back there on that. And so it takes a lot. And me being in the mental health field and, and you know, being just here that I know that it has to take a lot of work for that. But I wanted to go back and mention because of where you mentioned that today just happens to be um, uh, World's uh, Teen Mental Health um, day. And so I thought that was important. So if you could, um, we have like about two minutes. So could mm -hmm. you share um, anything for a team that may be, um, you know, maybe having some challenges and they don't, because a lot of times, like you just mentioned, teens suffer in silence because yes. we've been taught that different isn't good. That's right. Reach out. Look, don't don't suppress whatever you need to do. If you're battling any kind of thing, reach out, trusted people around you. Uh, it could be family. It could be friends. Right. If you need to, I journaled or whatever. Get it out because it's going to manifest itself out in some way. It could be anger. It could be grief. It could be whatever. because you go through those stages. Just get it out of you. And, um, you know, and you can try to direct it. You know, that's what I'm trying to say, because it could go into an extreme of anger. And that's natural, too. Right. But what you have to do is find a way that is a like a way an outlet that's not harmful to let it out there are telehealth um you know places you can call there are people you can reach out to just let someone know i'm not okay i'm not well i'm not you know and let them take it from there and if someone is telling you that listen to them listen to them because people struggle and we need to be able to help one another even if we're not the one let me connect you to someone who possibly can help you guys that's what we have to do help one another we have to help one another that is so awesome listen it is all about the women history month and us celebrating so as we close out um, i want you to tell whatever god has put on your heart to share uh with the women with okay. any of the listeners, go for okay. it. Okay, sure. Um, so one thing that I uh, thought about was um, people just make sure that you work on the lens of how you see yourself. That's a very important thing. When I was a student in college, someone said to me, she said, Tanya, do you know why I don't like you? And I said, why? And it was so funny that someone even said that, like, just to tell you, because everybody else does. And I don't think that's natural. OK. And I was like, OK. And that you guys, that taught me something. That means the way people feel about you or think about you is out of your control. Mm -hmm. But who you are in control of is yourself. So you make sure you do what you need to do to be as well as you can. And then if you got enough of it, extend it out to others. So women, men, whomever, humans. Be gentle with yourself. Be forgiven of yourself. Take care of yourself because you're no good to anyone else unless you're well enough yourself. And once you get that, it extends out. So, yes, take care. And to be winning only is to take care of you and others. So that's how you're winning. That's how you're winning. I love it. I couldn't have said that any better myself. I love you so much. Um, and I thank you, you so much for coming on. Um, wow. Uh, so, wow, uh, our viewers, and you did just that. Thank you so much. We appreciate you. you so much. So very quickly, how can people follow or find Minister Tanya Parker, inclusion practitioner? <laughs> well, look, old school Facebook, if you want to go to Facebook or Instagram, it's Tanya Parker. That's right. Find me there. Seriously, uh, I am on Tanya Parker, and you can connect me through Wesleyan or anything else. So I'm there, and I'm doing the work for myself and for others and for my God. And I love you all and thank you. 
All right. Awesome, guys. So you've heard it right here on Wow Wish Only Well Live Television Broadcast, where I am your host, Siobhan Gross, marriage and family therapist, inspirational coach, and um, motivational speaker. So until next time, guys, we are out of time. See you next week as we continue to uh, host Wow Winning Only Women. Goodbye. And don't forget to wow. And by wow, I mean to wish only well all across the world.